Brokenness to Faith podcast. I'm your boy, Marky Mark, and I'm here with someone who's actually never ready when he says he's supposed to be ready. <laughs> at least I was here at 4 when we were supposed to be here. I was here at 4. Actually, I was here at 3.57 on this day we were recording, and I actually decided to be a good person, wash my hands, use the restroom, take a sip of water, walk in, sit down, and at 4 o'clock, I was sitting here ready. My co-host was like, oh, I'm ready. I just need to find some of my notes. Oh, I'm ready. I just need to find this one thing I want to read a little later in the episode. But I'm ready. No, you're not ready, because if you're ready, you would be sitting here ready to go, and we could press play. But no. And what time it is now? What time is it, Noah? 4.11. We waited 11 minutes for this goon to freaking get ready. So, here it is. I'm over it. I'm not over it. But here we are. So today's episode is a Q&A. We haven't done one of these in like 10,000 years, like probably a year, year two years, episodes, yeah. probably like 50 million years ago, the last time anyone's actually ever listened to our podcast. <laughs> um, so we're going to do a Q&A episode. There's some questions that have been submitted um, after hearing this. If you have more questions you'd like to submit, we, we will love to do another episode. It saves us. Um, it saves Noah having to think <laughs> about coming with another topic because it's really hard for him to think sometimes. Yeah. Just keeping it real, or being on time, or being ready and on time. Um, it's a Q&A episode. We got some questions submitted. We're going to answer them. They're not all on the same thing. They're not all politics. They're not all prayer. They're not all on society. They're not all on just one specific verse or Old Testament, New Testament. They're all questions. just jumping around, okay? But we're going to try to answer these from our viewpoint. I almost wanted to say opinion. Um, we are <laughs> going to hit you with scripture. Scripture is scripture. That doesn't change. But we are going to hit you with our point of view on some of these questions submitted today. And the first question, we're just going to dive right in. There you go. I'll Best give, way to do it. I'll give my answer to um, the first question first, and then we'll have Noah share if he's ready by then. <laughs> um, should the church be involved in social justice? Mm. Should the church be involved... In social justice. Now we've 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 talked about some of this stuff before, but um, in different episodes, various degrees. But should the church be involved in social justice in the wake of uh, the police brutality and some of these shootings and some justified, some not justified, depending on your opinion of different things. Um, in reality, it's not just that. But social justice is actually more than just some white cop. Um, hurting uh, or killing or shooting a black person. There's a million different forms of social justice out there. And um, what we see, that's the examples we're seeing today is a lot of police brutality, whether you think each situation was justified or not, each situation's different. Um, I want to read to you an article that, uh, that I believe encapsulates, that's the big word of the day, encapsulates... Um, uh, what I what I believe about this, um, I want to read it for you guys here. Um, part of our responsibility as Christians is to exercise our compassion and love for others in tangible ways. Christians should feed the hungry, comfort the sorrowing, and visit the sick. As part of their kingdom service, Christian plumbers plumb since there will not be any leaks in the kingdom in kingdom service. Christian teachers teach in the sure hope that while now we see darkly one day, we will see face to face. 
and in that day there won't be any ignor there won't be any ignorance. As kingdom workers, Christian truckers truck because in the kingdom the good things God has created need to be distributed far and wide. And then it goes down here. I, I want to read this next thing that they say. Um, the primary work of the institutional church is not to promote social justice. It is to warn people of divine justice. Its primary business is not to call society to be more righteous, but to tell people of the righteousness of God and Jesus Christ. Its primary work is not to tell us who to elect in public office. It is to tell those in every nation of the one who elected many for eternal life. The primary work of the institutional church is to open and close the kingdom of God and to nurture the Christian faith. This is this it does primary through the pure preaching of the gospel, the pure ministration of the sacraments, and the exercise of church discipline. I really like that. And one thing it actually goes on to say later that um, I really got into is eventually um, this person brought up if I vote for someone like in a for a political office, I personally am held accountable to God for that. Right. Um, if I go outside. And I feel I need to grab my grab my sign and walk out there, like say her name or justice for George Floyd or or stop the Asian hate or whatever the scenario may be. I personally, with that me doing that, I will be held accountable before God for those actions. Now, I'm not saying that like that's bad. I'm just saying we personally, we have our choices we can make and we will be held accountable for those actions. But... It's way different if the pastor or the elder or the leader, one of the leaders of the church, comes up and during their sermon, they tell you, we need to vote for this person. That's way different. If they right. vote for that person personally, if you if put yourself in the shoes like pretend you were a pastor and um, you personally were going to vote for Joe Biden, you know, you're going to be held accountable to God for that vote, whether it be educated, whether it be reckless, whether it be who knows. But that's one thing. It's another thing for you to go up on the pulpit during your sermon or right before your sermon and to then say, hey, everybody, this is why I think we need to vote for Joe Biden or input Gavin Newsom, whatever candidate for whatever position. This is why I think we need to vote for so-and-so. Now, that is where I would draw the line. You as a pastor might lean conservative, Democrat, libertarian. You might vote on a certain bill. You know, you might uh, uh, want this instead of that. But to go up in front of your church is different. I think as individuals, sure, we should stand for social justice. And, but remember, every action we do is going to be in front of God one day being held accountable. And the other thing is, well, but if we believe we should do this, if I believe I should do this and as an individual, why don't we do it as a group? Well, because the group, the church as a group shouldn't promote certain politics. They shouldn't promote, you know, certain exact ways of doing things. So, like, the church should, we should want to help the poor. The talk, the, the right. Bible talks about helping the needy, helping the widow, helping the poor, right? But how would it look if the church went up on stage, the pastor, yellow up on stage, said, we need to vote for this legislation because this is, this is how they're going to do welfare, and this is how they're going to do helping the poor, and we need to get on board with this. Well, you can vote that way personally, and remember, be held accountable to God for that. But we as a church shouldn't take 
stances on certain bills, on certain politicians. Now, there are a few things like abortion. Obviously, we need to stand up for abortion. But other things like how do we help the needy and the poor? Like our church, we support the Coachella Valley Rescue Mission. But we're also not standing up on stage and saying, we're, we're, we're going to condemn Martha's Village and Kitchen because they're a Catholic one. and We only support the Coachella Valley Rescue Mission, blah, blah, blah. Or, right. we're, we need to, if you live in this city, you need to vote for this council member because they're going to get the poor off the streets and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, we cannot start making political decisions as, a face, as the face of the church, as a group, as a, as a church group. You know, like personally, when you see people like Westboro Baptist Church or these hate churches where they stand outside their signs, God hates fags and you're going to burn in hell and and blah, blah, blah. Look, I don't agree with that view, but if that person in their heart wants to believe that, okay, then they are going to be held accountable to God for that one day. Right. But where I draw the line is when they as a church step out and they push this certain agenda. Now, I'm not saying... That lifestyle is right or wrong. I'm just using that as an example. That's that's in that's an agenda, and the church should not push agendas. These churches out there, I'm going to keep it real. Whether you are for, whether you are for or against these George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, all these different uh, police shootings that haven't happened, which they happen every day. It's just the news no, no, cherry picks on, yeah. cherry picks what they want. Uh, fact of the matter is, if your church gets on board and does these vigils or you know, did Blackout Tuesday or, or different things. Then what's going to happen in a year when something else arises and maybe something different? And now it's made a big deal. Is your church going to stand up then and say, you know, we really need to get behind this. We really need to get behind that. Now you're just going from agenda to agenda to agenda right? to agenda. So should the church, in my opinion, be involved in social justice? I think individually... You need to be conscious about who you vote for, the the, the, the organizations uh, um, you're going to support. Do your research just like you would a church. You're moving into town. You're looking for a new church. Right. You should have your research done. I, I can't stand people who move in town like, oh, we're just church shopping. We haven't found one yet. It's like, haven't you? I know it's different in person, but haven't you done any type of research, like looked online, been ready? Like To me, finding a church is more important than finding a job. And if you're moving into a new town, you would think that you would have some interviews lined up or something (laughs) before you got into town. I think individually, as individuals, we should be involved in social justice, helping the poor, um, helping those who are suffering violence, um, standing uh, standing against those who are um, doing the violence. But as, as an individual, we need to go about that and pray and seek the Lord on direction of that. But as a church, when you can say, oh, but how can you, police are shooting all these people or this and that. How can you as a church not stand for that? Because we cannot make decisions. The church isn't equipped to make decisions on political matters. Right. Uh, the church is equipped, if it's a good church, to preach the gospel, to love on people and preach the gospel and be kind to others. And then as people walk through those doors, they should be informed enough to be able to make their own decisions through prayer and through guidance of the church leaders of that church and the people they're sitting next to who might have been in that church longer, whatever. Right. You know, but uh, when it comes to these things, like how do we do gun control? How do we do, you know, do we take the guns from the people? Because if we do, then the criminals will just have them. Or do we make stricter mandates? We don't take them away, but we make them harder to get or this and that. And all these different comments. Look, it's not our job to stand in the pulpit and, and say we need to vote for this or we need to back the NRA or we need to back, right. you know, Planned Parenthood or this. Well, whatever. 
we as a church individually can make our own decisions. But um, as a church, we need to do what we're best equipped to do. And that's supposed to be preach the gospel, show love to others, and pray for people. And if there's people who maybe they're part of the Black Lives Matter group, I need to, even though that would be hard for me because I don't agree with the organization, I think it is very, very anti-Christian. I don't know where a lot of the money goes. And, you know, some of their owners are, are Marxist. They claim they've openly said that. Um, but if someone came to me and they wanted to talk, and even if they hated me because I, I don't agree with the organization, but I'm not, I would try to find common ground with them because as the church, we're called to have conversations with people, love on people. Right. And that can help open dialogue for, in a sense, an opening to help heal hearts, which the healing of the heart is the ultimate justice we can see because that's when people come to Jesus. Right. And... That's what I think uh, about should the church should the church be involved? In short, no. Should the individual be involved? Yes. Awesome. Um, yeah, for me, I have uh, two kind of roadblocks. I guess I, I run into when I think about this question. Like two issues that stand out to me, and the first is with the actual term justice, because on one hand you have social justice, and then on the other hand, I think you have I guess you can call it biblical justice, right? And you can try to look for a common definition of what social justice is, and you won't find it. There's a ton of different definitions based off of where you look and, and whatever. But in my mind, I look at it as basically justice as defined by society and justice as defined by God, right? You have those two different paths. And so for me, I think, and then for Christians, I think that we should be looking at this and saying, okay, Sure, there might be some areas of social justice that maybe we can agree on, right? Like, I would like to see less people being killed by police, regardless of the reason, right? I don't want to see anybody getting killed. So maybe we can find some common ground there. But at the end of the day, my standards are based off of the justice of the Bible, right? And what God says justice is. Even if there's overlaps with societal justice, that is a secondary factor to what the Bible says, right? And I think that, I, I agree with you, the church should stay out of it. They should stay out of, apart from clear-cut moral issues in the Bible like abortion, the church should stay out of it. They should stay away from political issues. But individually, we have to make these decisions. What am I going to support? What am I not going to support? Where am I going to put my efforts? Because at the end of the day, the church is based off the individuals within it, right? The individuals tithing, giving offerings, going out and serving, right? And if your intentions are in the wrong place then the whole system starts to fall apart, right? It's not the church, it's the individuals within the church. And so where we, you know, what we choose to fight for matters. And so, you know, just to speak to that, Isaiah 117, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. And this echoes a lot of verses that talk about, you know, um, in James chapter one, the last verse of the chapter says, Pure religion is helping the widows and the orphans, you know, echoes this idea that justice really at the end of the day for Christians is just helping those who need help, right? You, you talked about, you know, helping the poor, things like that. And that to me is what justice should be from a Christian perspective. Um, but what I really want to speak on is kind of my second issue with social justice is that the main idea of social justice is there is... Usually, the, it must be different depending on who you ask, but there is a victim and somebody who is the victimizer, right? That's usually the 
general statement of social justice is even the one if you type um social justice definition online i think it's like the dictionary.com definition is wanting justice for oppressed people and, and the poor and things like that so there's this mentality of somebody is victim and somebody's victimizer and this train of thought will naturally produce some sort of hatred or feelings of anger towards the victimizer right that's you know it's only natural that that is the course of action that that will take and this is why i think the church and christians should stay away from social justice is because it does create this very negative environment very negative emotions very you know, we have to hurt this person to make things right. We have to take action. We have to riot. We have to do whatever to make things right. And that's not really what the Bible supports, right? The Bible supports compassionate helping, not vengeful, aggressive, attacking help, right? Uh, Romans twelve nineteen, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord, right? We shouldn't be out there, you know, if... Something happens and, and somebody is shot by an officer and it's clear that the officer was wrong and that they had no reason to act. We shouldn't be going after them and burning down towns or, or trying to hang that officer ourselves. We should, you know, first go with compassion, try to, you know, reach out to that person and, and you know, give them the forgiveness that they deserve and we all deserve and, and let the proper courses of justice take place, right? Because vengeance is not for ourselves. And one last thing I want to read, and then we can do some closing thoughts and move on to the next question. Um, I was trying to find some stuff on Gandhi for the next question because there's a story that I, I love to share. Isn't he in the Bible somewhere? No, he's is not. He's not a Bible He's character? not. Gandhi is not in the Bible. Sounds oh. like it. <laughs> but no. Uh, but while I was looking for some, some information for the next question, I, I read this little portion here that I think fits in because Gandhi did a lot of studied on the Bible, and he had pretty high regards for Jesus Christ and, and the Bible. And this is what he says. Um, a quote, he says, The example of Jesus' suffering is a factor in the co composition of my undying faith and nonviolence, which rules all my actions, worldly and temporal. And apparently, uh, Gandhi actually had a picture, a black and white print, of Jesus Christ on the cross in his hut. The only picture that he had. And on it, he wrote, he is our peace. Um, and, and I think that that speaks to this point that even Gandhi, who by all definitions was not a Christian, was able to recognize that at the end of the day, Jesus' ministry was and one Jay. of... At, at the end of the day, no, at the end of the day, Jesus was a man of nonviolence. His ministry was nonviolence. He sought peace and, and compassion and reconciliation with the people around him. And my perception at least of social justice is one of division one of attack one of vengeance and and trying to make things right by whatever means and i don't feel like that coexists with what the church should be doing and what christians should be doing and i think that's for me i agree with everything mark said and i would add on top of that that we should the church should not be involved with social justice because the very nature of the idea tends to be one of violence and uh, aggressive reconciliation, aggressive means of making things right, as opposed to what Jesus preaches, which is you know nonviolent reconciliation, nonviolent peacemaking, and trying to lead with compassion and forgiveness first, 
and then make things right secondary. You know, my last two thoughts on this question would also be someone could say, well, there's still going to be, why are we not going to stand up to them? Because there's still going to be violence. Sure, hey, during Jesus' day, there was violence. And I'm sure after he died on the cross and, and fulfilled what he was supposed to do and rose again, there was still violence. They didn't change the way he lived his life. Right. Even though he's all-knowing and knowing that there's still going to be violence in the world, he didn't change his stance on how he did things. Right. And, and, and to be honest, I'm just going to keep it real, and people might not like me for saying this, but how many of these... Um, protests people have gone to over the over the last five years for various scenarios situations how many of them have gone to these protests and done these things and it's actually made a big difference in your community right all it's done is create heartache it, it's had uh you know you had to have city officials police block off streets for you to do some of these things um you've created a bigger divide because people might be against you now i'm not saying you can't protest Right. But a lot of these social justice protests, in the end, it seems to be, in the long run, creating more of a divide than not. Right. And there's a lot of people, and again, this might not be you as an individual, but there are a lot of people who are ignorant, who see something and they join in not knowing much about it at all. Because their friends are doing it. Because so-and-so who's somewhat informed is doing it. You know, it's like we're sheep to the slaughter. So, right. if you're going to be involved in some type of movement... And that's not to say there isn't Christian justice movements out there. But if you're going to be involved in something, do your homework on it. Just like you would if you're looking for a church. Just like you would if you're interviewing for a job, which you would say those things are very important to you. If you're going to get involved in something, your friend's saying, hey, there's this rally, blah, blah, blah. I, I know you believe in this. And look, I I am against, you know, unjustful unjustful killings you know law enforcement and people unjustly killing someone i am i am totally with with these movements that are against those things sure but i am not for when you do the research of like a group like black lives matter right. where one of the three founders is has self-described themselves as a marxist you know there's been questions raised recently because they just bought like a four million four point two million dollar house right and it's in a, in a neighborhood in a neighborhood that's mostly um, white people, right. and and they want to defund the police. They, and again, if you personally think we need to fund the police, that's okay. Just remember, whether that's right or wrong, you'll be held accountable for each thing you do. But as a church, we shouldn't be handing out flyers saying to fund the Palm Desert Police, to fund the Palm. We shouldn't be doing that. But do your justice. I cannot stand for the organization Black Lives Matter. And the few times I've shared that with people. Sometimes they say, oh, so, you, so you're okay with cops beating, you know, minorities and doing... I said, just because... They were, they were doing that before Black Lives Matter was around. It doesn't mean I was for or against it. Right. I, the organization doesn't change everything. You know, it's people. It's the way we live our lives that change things. It's a sin problem. Oh, that's so cheesy. I know, but it is. <laughs> it's true, yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it's a heart issue. And we're not in their shoes. We're not in the cops' shoes. We're not in, in, in the victim's shoes. We don't know, you know, yeah, facts come out later and someone's right, someone's wrong. and But we just have to make sure that we have all of our information before we jump to conclusions. And, and I would add to that as well, not just researching the organization or the events, but see what the Bible says about it too. You know, some issues might be 
to some extent talked about in the Bible. Obviously, the clear example would be something like abortion, but you know, go to the Bible first and say, okay, how should I respond to this situation? For example, if it's an instance of a a, a cop involved shooting, you could look at the Bible and say, okay, first and foremost, I should have compassion. I should I should do this. I should have that right. So I, I would add also. Do your do your homework on what the Bible says about that situation as well. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, that's pretty much it. That was should the church be involved in social justice? Send me uh, your hate mail. <laughs> Not to the broken to faith at gmail dot com and send it to Mark Bratcher at yahoo dot com. That's my email because I'm the one who's gonna. Take the hate, and Noah wouldn't be ready for it anyways. He's not ready. I'll just forward it to you. It's Noah's like, not yeah. ready for anything ever. I get here on time. Not yeah, ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the most annoying thing. I have places to be, people to see. I just can't, can't deal with this. All right, you want to start us off yeah, with question, question two? If, uh, you're, if you're ready for it. I am ready. Uh, so the second question we have is, if God is good and following Jesus is great, then why are so many Christians hypocrites? And... Despite the wording of this question, the, the point of it is is that why is it that if being a Christian is something that is so great, and, and we would both agree that, you know, following, so great. following God is better than not, and, and you know, it, it's better to be in this position than not, and a lot of Christians would probably agree with that, yet we still see so many who are hypocrites, who don't follow the words, who don't follow through with the actions. And I want to share a story, and then I'll... We can go from there. And this is kind of what I was getting at with Gandhi and, um, and what I was doing my research on. And so what I was, this is what I was looking at earlier with Gandhi and, and the story I wanted to share. Um, I might have shared this on the podcast before because this is like one of my go-to stories. I, you have the same stories. <laughs> I do. I, I don't have too many, but this is one of my go-tos. Um, as I mentioned, Gandhi had spent some of his earlier, earlier life reading the word and and kind of more researching Christianity than anything else. But he actually became quite interested in it. And there came a point where he was in South Africa, I think in the 1930s, and he decided to attend a church service, right? And he goes to the, and this is South Africa, right? So at the time there was, I mean, even now there's still a lot of racism and, and a lot of, you know, negative attitudes there in South Africa, obviously. But so he goes to this church, he goes up to the door, and a church elder, right, not just some guy, a church elder, asked Gandhi, where do you think you're going? There is no room for you in this church. Get out of here or I'll have my systems throw you down the steps. And this was, you know, at this point, Gandhi had just finished reading the New Testament maybe a year or so before. And all the talk of love and, and unity and acceptance and the, the life of Jesus Christ. And he finally goes to a church only to be told, get out of here. And after this, Gandhi has a, a quote that I think is not only very fascinating, but very sad to hear. And he says, I love your Christ, but I hate your Christians because your Christians are unlike your Christ. And I think about like what could have happened if Gandhi had gone to that church, right? And he went in there, went to the service and became saved, right? Imagine the ministry he would have had later on in the 40s when he was going through his you know, revolution in India if he was doing it as a Christian. Imagine the impact that would have on India today and, and the lives that would have been changed. But unfortunately, that never happened because the Christians of that church were hypocrites and they turned him away because he was an Indian and he wasn't white, right? And I, I share that story as kind of 
the transition into this question because it does matter when we are not living up to what the Bible says. And obviously we're not perfect like Jesus, but there's a difference between trying our best and not trying and being hypocrites like this. And to answer the question, why is it that, you know, despite the Christian life obviously being better and despite the great example we have, we have the Bible, we have the church, we have everything there, why are we still not living up to it? And I think the simple answer is that, well, we're humans, we sin, we're not perfect. But I think even that doesn't fully answer the question because even an imperfect, sinful Christian can still live a good life and can still be a good example. I think that, for me, the answer to this question is that sometimes there's Christians who just, they're not trying, they're not making that effort to live that life. You know, um, in Matthew, Jesus, uh, there's the story where he comes across the fig tree, and he curses the fig tree, and he explains to his disciples that because this tree uh, looked like it was bearing fruit, it had the leaves, it should have had fruit, but it didn't, Jesus cursed it. And it's an example of Christians who appear on the outside to be fruitful Christians, but inside they're not. And, you know, we need to, we might not be perfect. We're not going to, you know, we're, we're not going to be sinless. We're not going to be great Christians all the time, but we have to be making those efforts, right? It doesn't matter how good God is and how great the Christian life is if we're not making an effort to actually do what the Bible says and follow through on this and make those efforts, right? And, and I think other people who are not Christians will recognize that, right? They can tell the difference between somebody who is just talking the talk and somebody who is actually trying to follow through, even if they're not doing it perfectly. You're done? Because you're wrong. Okay. I'm just kidding. Um, For now, I'm done. I, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll good stuff. Good stuff. Um, <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, he was late today, but that's okay. Great stuff. Um, I got three points on that. No, I. If you know our church, you'll get this joke. I'm not going to do a Pastor Mark and do two points and realize I'm 55 minutes in, and I'll save the third point for next week, which I'll make into another hour. Term. I won't do that. Good. Three things. They don't. They're all random thoughts, but they help. Right. I can't my notes. My I'm notes. I'm not going to steal them. My notes. Okay. Um, so first off, we need to know when it comes to being like labeled a hypocrite. Um, there's a big difference. The world might not see it, but to me, when they say, oh, Christians are such, such hypocrites, are there Christian hypocrites out there? Yes. But there are plenty of them who are just hypocrites. They're not Christians. Right. Because big difference is, is there someone, there's a big difference between struggling and blatantly sinning. Right. If I tell you. You know, like, hey, as a Christian, I just, I believe we shouldn't be getting drunk. It's just what I believe in. It's what I stand for. I don't do that. You know, that's what you tell someone, right? But then, you know, every so often, you, you used to have a past of drinking, maybe. So you, you're still, you're still trying to fight it off. You might have a drink once in a while, gets the best of you. But you, you, you have accountability. You're trying to fight it off because no one's perfect. It is what it is. And you're, you're struggling, but you're not blatantly just running to it. Right. Okay, you you might be able to say, okay, yeah, that that's one thing. But blatantly sinning when you tell someone, yeah, we shouldn't be getting drunk. I personally don't even, I you know, I, I don't do that. But then, you know, hours later you get invited to a party by, by your coworker, 
and you know a few days later you go to this party and and before you know it you're 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 getting drunk you know and you didn't even you didn't even pause you didn't even fight it you didn't even spiritually like pray god i know i probably shouldn't be doing this no what'd you do you did it it wasn't a fight so there i know for the world that might be hard to see because they just see some say yeah i'm a christian but there's plenty of the world that claims to be christian in name and they don't even really go to church or they church hop or they switch churches every couple months to something cool or they do this they do they don't even really care you know they're not it's just in name so first off there is a big difference are there um hypocritical christians yes but is there a chunk of them i would like to pull out because they're not even really christian yeah is that is that a side excuse to like oh so then the rest are, are not hypocrites no they're still hypocrites but the ones people probably get mad at the most are probably ones who aren't even really Christian. They right. oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but then they're part of they're part of these things. They do certain stuff that totally goes against the Bible. You know, didn't you say you're a Christian? Yeah, but didn't you just cheat on your girlfriend? Well, you know, and, they, and <laughs> like all these different things. Like right. it's you know, there's a difference between struggling, struggling, and blatantly sinning, and that that's the first point is when we talk about aren't certain Christians hypocrites? Well. Some aren't even Christian. And let's just keep it 100 right, right. for what it is. Then we also have to go to the thing. The next thing is, is, is it's magnified. If you didn't know me and I was your, you like maybe got hired at my work and we get to talking and I tell you, you know, I, I perfectly don't drink. Like I'm on lunch break. You know, I, I don't drink alcohol. It's just not my thing. You don't know if I'm Christian or not. You don't know anything. You just think... Yeah, you were just talking like, yeah, I don't drink. It's just not my thing. I try to stay away from it, me personally. But then maybe, you know, two weeks later, you're, you're walking into like a bar and restaurant and you see me at another table with a friend of two and we're, we're drinking tons of beer with our appetizers or whatever. You might come over, say hi, whatever. And you might think, oh, this guy, maybe he's, a, you know, he's drinking. He said he doesn't really drink, blah, blah, blah. It might cross your mind. You might think I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. But at the end of the day, it might not be a huge deal for you. Right. But if you just got hired at my work, we're having a conversation at lunch, and I tell you I'm a Christian, I specifically specify, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, and we get to talking about life, and yeah, I don't drink, it's just kind of me, cause I, as a Christian, I feel like I shouldn't drink. And then a few weeks later, you see me at the restaurant and bar drinking with my friends, and we're having appetizers, and I'm getting hammered, <laughs> then now, even though it's the same scenario, but the fact that I told you I was a Christian, you know, that, for some reason, that label makes it an even bigger deal for people. Because in reality, all the world has done things at least once in their life that was hypocritical, right? Right. But the moment you label yourself a Christian, now being a hypocrite is an even bigger deal. If you're just Joe Schmo down the street, no label on him, and you do something hypocritical, no big deal. I mean... It might be to some people, sure, but it's always going to be a bigger deal if you claim to be a Christian, even if it's the same exact scenario, even if it's the same exact thing. Someone says, they, oh, I just don't drink, as an example, and then you see them drinking all the time. You, okay, hypocrite. Someone says, I'm a Christian, I choose not to drink, and then you see them drinking all the time. Well, now it's an even bigger deal because in the world's minds, you claim something that is very... Which people are either really for it or really against a lot of people, Christianity. And you say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I don't drink, and then bam. Or, I mean, it could be smoke, it could be anything. So, we have to talk about, one, who's truly Christian, who isn't, two, the labels. Because I think when you talk about 
talk about it. The world magnifies someone who's a hypocrite when they're a Christian, and they won't magnify them as much if they're just a, if if they're not a Christian. They never claim to be a Christian. Right. You know what I mean? If if some Christian band, if someone says, "I well, we're a Christian band. We love the Lord." But then they start putting, you know, cuss words in their songs. That's a huge deal. But if you had some band that they were just positive lyrics, and maybe some of the band members said, yeah, we read our Bible, but we're not a Christian band. And then, you know, the lead singer puts cussing in their song or something. You'd be like, okay, you know, that's not cool. But if they never really claimed to be a Christian band, like they never said they were, they blatantly said they weren't, you're not going to be as mad about that, you know, hypocritical. And then... Uh, what it comes down to is, is one. First off, um, we have to, if we are serious Christians, not the ones who are blatantly sinning, but serious, genuine, transparent Christians, um, then we will know that we will admit there that we have done wrongs. We have been hypocrites. That's why we come to God. We come to Him because we have been hypocrites, because we have sinned against Him, because we have gone against the things of the Bible. Are there always going to be hypocrites out there? Yes, even legitimate Christian hypocrites. Yes, they, they're going to make mistakes. I think if they're living a, a lifestyle that's hypocritical, then they're not Christian. And if you go to Scripture, it, one of the most known verses, Romans 3.23, For all of sin falls short of the glory of God. But if you look at the NLT version, part of it says, We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Mm. You see, I like that, that, that translation, God's glorious standard. See, we all fall short of that standard. Right. And if we're falling short of that standard, you see... Part of God's standard was he wasn't a hypocrite. You can say, yeah, but God said this in, in, in this book, but you go over here in this book, and now he's saying, if you look at every who he's, you know, what you know what was written, where it was written, you know, what timeline, if you look at just the whole the whole thing of it, like who, who was so-and-so writing to, and he said, God spoke to me, or this and that. If you look at the context of everything, God is not an error, because if God is an error, then he's not God. Anything in the Bible is in error, then that means it's not true. Right. And so, when we believe in God's glorious standard, God was not a hypocrite. Jesus was not a hypocrite. He did not go against. He did not say, "I stand against violence," and then he's he's out here, you know, murdering people. He, you know, you know what I mean. Like Jesus, when he was alive, didn't do some of these things. What he said is what he did. And so we all fall short of that standard. In falling short of that standard also comes the fact of uh, there are going to be hypocrites. We're going to make hypocritical statements. We're going to have hypocritical actions from time to time. It just is what it is. But if we're living a lifestyle of it, then we're not really Christian. And that, I will say that straight up. And if you if you call me out on things I'm doing continuously, blatantly, not caring, not, not even trying to, to stop doing, then yeah, I'm not a Christian either. So be it. And you can say it's harsh, it's mean, whatever. It is what it is. But... Straight up, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So if you're a Christian that struggles with stuff like we all do, that's that's one thing, okay? But we need to be genuine, transparent with people. Say, yeah, I struggle. Yeah, I'm a hypocrite. Sometimes I mess up, but that's why I come to God. That's why I need Him more. Or else I'd be an even bigger hypocrite, or I would even fall apart even more. Right. Real quick, I found a, a study, some statistics. I got throw in there. Usually you're the stat guy, but yeah, 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 I got some stats. Uh, this is from Barna. Um, Ooh, I like Barna. Yeah, they're good. So you know it's a legitimate stat, not just some back-end website with numbers. Or, or you and your normal stats. <laughs> or me, yeah. Um, but they said that you know they had some numbers on church and whatnot, and they said that in one of their studies uh, of unchurched adults, 
shows that nearly four out of every 10 non-church-going Americans said they avoid churches because of negative past experiences in churches or church people. You know, this is obviously a, a big issue, right? That's 40% of people who don't go to church say they don't go because of negative experiences. And those negative experiences, I would guarantee, are largely because of people who are hypocrites, who are, whether they are not Christians who say they are, are Christians who don't, you know, aren't making the effort, whatever it is, this clearly has an impact. And going back to the, the phrasing of the question, which is, if God is good and, and following Jesus is so great, why are we hypocrites? And I think, like you said, it, it, it's kind of, you have to be making that effort. You have to be trying to live that life. Even if you stumble, even if we don't live it perfectly, we have to be trying to follow what Jesus says. And the truth is that God is good. And as Christians, we should be focusing on him and everything else will start to work out right. People will see it. It'll, you know, it'll become almost second nature. The little things, not obviously we'll still have to struggle every day to overcome sin, but some of the little things, being kind to people, going the extra mile, right? Not telling lies when people ask us questions about what we do, things like that will become easier and easier. And before long, we will kind of naturally start to treat people with compassion and love and Mm -hmm. start living that life. And it comes down to just sticking with it. Go to church when you have the opportunities. Spend time praying. Spend time worshiping, doing those little things, praying, right? You know, Jesus wasn't Jesus because he just was that way. He did a lot of effort. Some of it we see in the Bible. Some of it is more inferred. But but he spent a lot of time fasting. He spent a lot of time praying. He spent a lot of time away from his disciples in quiet time praying, right? He wasn't just walking around as Jesus and that was it. He did so much to get to that point and it it should not be understated that we have to be making the effort to be living that christian life and even if we're christians through and through we believe and we're saved we still have to make the effort or else we run the risk of not appearing the right way to people and having that be a negative impact so we have to be making the effort we can't just say oh i'm a christian i accept god sit back and expect everybody to see us perfectly or to live a perfect life. We have to be making the effort. And especially because a lot of adults and and people who don't go to church, they don't fully understand what it's like. They don't know what we believe. They don't know Mm -hmm. what the Bible says. So their perceptions of what Christianity is could be severely warped because of what they see on the news or what they experienced as a kid or things like that. And so if we're not making the effort to live our lives as the Bible says we should, it's going to be even harder to reach these people because they already struggle to know what it is of what Christianity is. Yeah. And if we're not living it out, then it's going to make it even worse, right? They're going to start having those, well, you're saying this, but this is what I've seen or mm-hmm. whatever. So the, the bottom line is we just have to actually be living the life. And, and that's the only way to, to fight this, you know, because it is out there. You know, people do have issues of with the church and the image of the church and what it, Christianity is. And if we're not going above and beyond to make up for all of those negative views and stereotypes and, you know, those Christians who are giving it a bad name and who are hypocrites, we're never going to reach these people. We have to be making that effort in order to see this, this change and to see us break through to these people, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we are two questions in. We had three, but I think we're at the 45-minute mark, so we'll yeah. cut it there. We, <laughs> we polled a pastor, Mark. Um, 
So uh, we will do another episode, another Q and A. We had one yeah. more question, but we'll do it maybe next time with um, any other ones you guys submit. I'd say um, even if it's a question you already know the answer to, ask us anyways, because maybe somebody else hasn't heard it before. Or and no, if you know a... the right answer, no, we'll probably give you the wrong one. <laughs> right. So just you know, whatever it is, it could be about any topic. It could be about any. It could be challenging. It could be easy. Ask us. You know, we'll we'll answer it. And we'll uh, you know. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle it. <laughs> I, you can even bring in a question like Barney, the Teletubbies, and uh, the Mark of the Beast. Sure. Which one's worse? So, no, I'm just we'll kidding. We'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. No, we'll handle that one. So this is the Brokenness of Faith podcast. Thank you for listening. Share it with your friends on whatever yeah. um, podcast listening site or app you use on your phone, or even if you listen on your computer. Um, thank you guys for supporting us throughout all this time. We thank you guys for... Um, listening again if you have some questions you'd like answered you can text us if you have our numbers or you can email us at brokenness to faith at gmail.com or brokenness underscore two underscore faith on our instagram page you can, you can email us, us person, message us, us. You, can you can write it down hand it to us mail it to us and you can mail it to us i know we got fans everywhere Talk just all parents. over yeah, we're super famous, so I know whatever we're all works, over the place. Whatever works best for you, we'll get it. Um, well, actually, we prefer you do it the most inconvenient way yeah. you know possible <laughs> for yourself. So if you need to, like, write it down, get on a horse, go a few cities over, hand it to someone, they get on their horse, and eventually they bring it to our doorstep, um, we'll take it. There you go. And we'll make sure that question gets... It's done right away the moment we right. do it. It won't be question number three that gets cut off. <laughs> no, we'll do it. When you get it to us in 30 years, because that's how long it'll take, uh, we'll do it. There Thank you, you guys for listening. Uh, Broken Spade, deuces. Peace.